Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers getting ready for Jacksonville State coming up on Thursday night. Their three-run stretch of very tough games is over. They finished it 2-1. and one. We talked about last week about beating Marquette and beating Michigan State. They then went to Arizona, and uh, the number one team played like the number one team in the country. And Wisconsin lost by 25. Is Wisconsin really that bad? I don't think so. I think Arizona's really, really good, and they uh, had a really good day, and Wisconsin not, did not have a great day. We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about kind of some of the other stuff uh, around the basketball team right now. However, I wanted to start, again, I know this is a basketball podcast, so if you are not interested in Wisconsin football whatsoever, you can skip ahead. But because of what happened on Tuesday, I wanted to talk about it. Wisconsin has its apparently has its quarterback for 2024, Jesse. They get a commitment from former Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. He comes to Wisconsin after starting, I think it was 28 games the last three years at Miami. Had a really successful 2021. He's been through three different offensive coordinators these past three years, three different guys. But it's a guy that we kind of t- we talked about on the camp. And uh, but I wanted to get your take now that he has committed to Wisconsin, that he is in the fold and he appears to be their guy for this upcoming season. Yeah, I think it's interesting because Dequan Finn actually took a campus visit, was there on Sunday and Monday. Obviously, Van Dyke also took a weekend visit and Wisconsin has wound up with Van Dyke. He did a lot of good things. It, I kind of feel like the Miami fan base got to a point with him where the Wisconsin fan base was with Graham Mertz, if that makes sense, just for yeah. a, a comparison. Someone who was there for a long time. They wanted him to achieve more as a starter. I believe he was 15 and 13. But there were pockets of tremendous success. I think Rhett Lashley, when he was there, he's now at SMU. Van Dyke had a lot of success in that offense, and uh, there seemed to be some similarities with what Phil Longo does with his offense. So this may not from and and I can't speak for the entire Wisconsin fan base, but I I get the sense that it's kind of uh, meh or you're going to have to go out and and show me some of that probably has to do with what happened at Miami. Some of that may have to do with Tanner Mordecai and the excitement he brought and the numbers not necessarily being there. But I think this is a a pretty good one-year ad for Wisconsin. We knew the Badgers needed help from from the portal because of of who they had coming back. You lose, you're going to lose Tanner Mordecai, Miles Burkett's in the portal, so you've got room to add. And Braden Locke was the only guy with any significant experience, three and a half games played. Beyond that, you had Nick Evers, who threw one pass in cleanup time at Oklahoma. Cole LaCrue hasn't played. Maybe Matire, who's coming in, will be here as an early enrollee obviously hasn't played. So I think this is a pretty good ad. What I'm most curious to see is how does Longo mesh Van Dyke's skill set with this offense when we have seen a lot of his quarterbacks, and we did talk about this previously, a lot of his quarterbacks have been more mobile threats, whereas you would think Van Dyke is more of that pocket type of passer. What do we make of the fact that he got benched this year? I mean, he was benched. They went with the true freshman who ended up getting hurt. And it allowed yeah. him to come back in, and he actually played pretty well in the final two games. They they went one and one. They lost to Louisville in a was a bit of a shootout there, but he came back through three touchdowns, three for six hundred and seventeen yards. His completion percentage was uh, over sixty percent. What, what do we make of of that? 
I don't want to make too much of it as it pertains to 2024. Uh, I know that he went through some struggles. I know he was also hurt for part of the season. Um, now everybody gets hurt at various stages in their football career. But I, I do think there, there's a lot to like about what he can add to this team. The experience is, like we talked about with Tanner, something you just can't necessarily quantify. A guy with that that much playing time at the college level who's going to be highly motivated to come to Wisconsin and prove he can be a potential NFL quarterback. So I, it's hard for me to, and again, we, I didn't cover Miami, so don't have the full perspective on what happened this past season, but it seems like he was able to respond from that, like you talked about pretty well, and that's got to be encouraging. At the risk of putting any kind of a jinx on this, because uh, my previous quarterback <laughs> judgment ha- has been called into question, um, somewhat deservedly, though, again, the guy that I went to bat for for uh, like a week or two, but then have now continued to bat for this year, did start a Big Ten championship game. And that is uh, more than C.J. Stroud can say. So <laughs> there, there, there is that. I don't I don't hate it. I'm not totally, totally in love with it because I don't know exactly what it's going to look like with these two, with uh, how they how they are going to mesh it. He is not the it's not that he's a, it's not that he can't move. He can. I think he's got some he, the numbers don't show it. And certainly when you the sack numbers affect how a quarterback's running stats are um, calculated, obviously. But he's not a, a complete like. I don't know, uh, just a statue back there. He can take off. He can run a little bit. He can move around in the pocket, create some time. Um, what he can certainly do is make any throw that you ask him to make. He's got an he's got an NFL type arm, and the, the and he was accurate a large t- part of the time. I just don't know what it looks like because we saw this offense when you have a quarterback that can run and when you can't. A quarterback could, uh, his skill set as runner is so valuable to have, like we saw with Tanner Mordecai, that wasn't necessarily th- there with Braden Locke. And I think it impacts an offense. But again, if it's up to you, Jesse, what would you rather have? A guy that can make every throw and is accurate or a guy who can run and can throw sometimes? I'd want the guy who can make every throw. And it's natural to draw comparisons between Braden and and Tyler. I also think I mean, Van Dyke is 6'4". One of the things that Braden struggled with was getting passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage. I think uh, Tyler's put enough on film to for you to feel confident in what he can achieve, what his ceiling is. But the question is, can he do it consistently? I I, want to add before we move on to basketball that I did have a chance to talk to somebody in Tyler's camp just to get a better understanding of why Wisconsin, how did this come together? So hopefully can provide some perspective on, on why, why he's here. Apparently they really liked Wisconsin when he was coming out of high school, but at the time, Graham Mertz was coming and he was in the middle of tearing it up in high school. And so Tyler didn't feel like there was going to be a massive opportunity at Wisconsin, which is understandable. But I think that's noteworthy that they they went on a summer recruiting trip, liked what they saw at the time. And now as you fast forward and he's evaluating options out of the portal, I, I got to hand it to Phil Lonko. You can say what you want about what happened with the offense this season, but his ability to connect with quarterbacks to recruit them and draw them to his program wherever he is, it stands out. And that has a lot to do with why Van Dyke is coming to Wisconsin too, because Longo was recruiting him at a high school, I believe back when he was at Ole Miss. And 
because they were both in the ACC when Longo was at North Carolina, then Dyke obviously at Miami, they had a lot of familiarity with each other. And so there's a lot of respect on, on Van Dyke's part for how Longo ran his offenses at North Carolina. And Tyler is coming here with the belief that this is an offense that can be extremely dynamic. And his camp feels like it's the perfect fit for Tyler's skill set. Now, it does remain to be seen how that all comes together. But from Tyler's perspective, there were just a lot of pluses. And you add into the fact that Luke Fickle is here. What he did at Cincinnati carried a lot of weight. They feel like this coaching staff carried extreme weight. So there's a lot of reason for optimism. And then the other thing, which is probably secondary, but getting back to the north in weather like this is something that excites them. I mean, he's from Connecticut. So I think they felt like this would be for all the reasons um, a, a good fit with an offensive line that has the potential to really help Van Dyke shine. Where you get somebody that went down to Miami is like, get me back to the weather <laughs> of Wisconsin. Well, I um, think, it, I mean, he spent four years there. He's played in the ACC and it's just one of those situations, much like with Graham, you're ready for a change. You want to go to another conference. You want to have an opportunity to play especially with this new schedule, that's also really exciting. I mean, I, I don't know if we've talked about that much or considered it, but based on the teams that they're adding and the teams Wisconsin's going to play every year, the guys who are real competitors and want to showcase their ability against the very best are going to have an opportunity to do that every year now. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. We'll see how much fans enjoy that. Um, I th- the game, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Uh, the idea that you get to play Alabama and Ohio State in these teams in the same year is, I think, pretty exciting. I think if you're uh, a college football fan, there are other college football fans that are very upset with it that that some of the you know the the natural rivalries that go along with college football and the the regionalization of college football. But that's something that we've been uh, discussing for the last couple of years is uh, well I should say a couple of years last 10 years as conferences have slowly started to evolve and bring in teams that are not necessarily in their footprint um even though they try and make it to be in their footprint we'll move on here uh again Tyler Van Dyke a badger he's the uh the fourth transfer they've added in the portal and uh we'll see I think they're going to add more guys obviously they're they they've certainly I think potentially at wide receiver and certainly potentially at, at tight end. And I know they're looking at other places as well. So, all right, let's move on to, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow night on Temple and Heilper and at Monks in some Prairie from six to seven. You can find the podcast after you can listen on zone Madison, or you can come out and see us. You can't actually hear the show when you come out there, but you can come out and say, hi, we'd certainly appreciate that. Um, all right, let's move to, on to basketball. What do we take out of Saturday, Jesse? Uh, it was, I mean, we both thought, and I think a lot of people thought, Wisconsin was going to have to play its perfect game. They're yep. going to have to do everything completely right. And Arizona was probably going to have to not be able to bring its A game to the table. And um, they brought something close to it, and Wisconsin did not bring their best. I honestly don't take a whole lot from it. It's one of those games, like if I was the coach, you'd want to learn from it, but just burn the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Arizona... You're right. You and I both felt Wisconsin was going to have to play its absolute best game of the season just to give itself a chance. But Arizona is the best team in the country. And frankly, I know there are some other teams that are still undefeated, but to me, it doesn't feel like it's even close. They have everything you want in a team that can win a national championship. Larson was just dropping buckets every time he shot it. When he went six for six from the field, he made all four of his threes. Caleb Love, we knew he was the real deal. 
he he really got going and they've got bigs who can dominate the paint thought Ballo was tremendous so you would have liked if you're a Wisconsin fan and certainly the players and the staff to have been a bit more competitive for a longer period of time it was 23 all and it sort of felt like okay Wisconsin's gonna hang around just enough maybe they'll be within striking distance late in the game and no Arizona just went on a massive run and the game was over but I would feel differently if Wisconsin wasn't coming off a six game winning streak, which included that victory against Marquette and a nice road win against Michigan state and beating Virginia SMU down in Fort Myers, winning that tournament title and cracking the AP top 25. But because that happened, you are allowed a night off. It just so happened that night off came against the best team, which absolutely blew the doors off you and won by 25 points. And in the process, Scored more points than any team had scored against Wisconsin since March of 1995. That's almost the most impressive stat to me is how good Wisconsin has been defensively for 30 years. The teams, they don't do that against Wisconsin. Yeah, I believe that game was in the NCAA tournament, wasn't it? They, I, I think it was. I thought it was Missouri that that did that against them. Might be, I might be thinking about the previous year. I, I saw that exact stat as well. Um I don't remember off the top of my head. I, I thought it was an NCAA tournament game that they got a uh, hundred hung on them. So uh, either way, Wisconsin's defense a little bit to be desired. Um, but when you're playing a team like Arizona, who scores so well around the basket, so good on two point shots, and Wisconsin's defense hasn't been great on the interior uh, to, to defend those, it's kind of what you were expecting. Now Wisconsin shot it okay, right? What yeah. were they ten for ten for twenty one from three? Uh, John Blackwell four for five. So there were there were some positives to come out of that, but yes, uh, you you try and learn from it. You try and learn from the disaster that that was a large part of your defense, just numbers wise, based on what Arizona was able to do. But move on. You got you got the two wins. You got two wins out of three. When a lot of people are yep. thinking over three or one for two, you take it. You move on and you look at. Jacksonville State, look at Chicago State, and you're like, hey, get these two, and then you run back into Big Ten play, and you're kind of feeling good about things. Um, right. That that Arizona game is not going to de- uh, deter me from what I think Wisconsin could be this year. And I, actually, I misspoke because the graphic that they had on TV at the end of the game was wrong because it said March 11th, 95, but that was uh, a game at Michigan State, closed the regular season, where Michigan State won 97-72. So I imagine they probably put that graphic up right before Arizona scored the last bucket. <laughs> um, I think I think you were correct because it was the previous year when Wisconsin gave up 109 points in that NCAA tournament game to, to Missouri. It was a 109-96 loss. I can't even imagine watching a Wisconsin game where that was the final score. But almost 30 years, uh, it's... Just an amazing run, but I, I'm with you. I like th- this game. If they would have won, certainly would have been one of those kind of all-time program wins because it was a number one team on the road because of how infrequently the Badgers have had that opportunity and won. But it doesn't. It, it's not going to keep Wisconsin from achieving its goals. They have already built a pretty nice resume and have a chance to get a couple more wins under their belt before they dive into Big Ten play. If anything, I think games like that better prepare you for what you're going to face in the big 10. And I know you and I have kind of gone back and forth on whether what the value is in playing a schedule this difficult. But as I've said before, I am all for it. Even if you do lose a game like that. I think I, I had a change in my opinion. Okay. Because you're loud. Yeah, no. So I great guard spoke about it on 
third when they when they go out Thursday. They talked about it on Thursday, and I don't know if I mentioned this when we were talking about it that night. Actually, I don't think we did because the Leon Lowry story kind of took uh, <laughs> pretty pretty much all of Temple and Heilprint. But what he was saying was we could have just played an easy schedule and racked up wins and had no idea who we were. And then when we get to the Big Ten and you get challenged and you wilt, and so I now I kind of can get on board with that idea of scheduling very difficult getting hit in the mouth, seeing how you respond and figuring out a way to overcome that adversity early in a season. So you're not doing it within the conference season. Now they're going to be hit with different things during the conference season, but maybe they've already experienced a lot of the adversity and a lot of things that could have gone wrong. Um, they, that they wouldn't have if they were playing a soft schedule. And so I, I kind of understand where they're coming from now and I can agree with it. I still think piling up wins is better, but I also think the fact that my my mind's a little bit changed because they went two and one in the stretch instead yes. of holding three. Now, again, they were going to play Marquette no matter what. They're going to play Michigan State no matter what. They were not necessarily going to play Arizona no matter what, but like those are those are games that if you go if you go on three, maybe this tune's a little bit different. But again, they got hit with stuff that they maybe would not have known about themselves had they just taken the easy way out of the non-conference. And I go back to that Marquette game. I know we talked about it before, but that's the perfect example of a really good team that was on a roll. Wisconsin was tested. Marquette came within one point on four different occasions. And instead of wilting, the Badgers were able to show some resolve and win that game. And you had Greg talking about afterward that now he felt like the team believed in everything that he was trying to get them to believe in during the summer. So those are the kinds of games that, yeah, you can go out and you can beat Jacksonville State 90 to 60 or whatever it's going to end up being, 72 to 50 um <laughs> no no offense jacksonville state i mean look if you win i'll gladly eat crow next week but there is so much more value in my mind to being tested and it obviously helps when you win because you have that confidence you have that on your tournament resume and wisconsin i think will end up with the best of both worlds because now they're sort of cruising into that finals week where you're playing a couple home games against teams that you would expect to beat and you can feel good about yourself, but you have also learned a ton about your group going into the new year. Uh, one more thing before I move on that Missouri game, I went back and looked at the box score for yeah. it. Michael Finley had 36 points <laughs> and uh, went five of 10 from beyond the arc. Tracy Webster had 27 points. He went seven for 13 beyond the arc. Andy Kilbride, three for eight. He had 15 points. The biggest surprise to me, this, this is obviously, uh, I think this was Rashar Griffith's sophomore year maybe his maybe his freshman year um played just 16 minutes that day was in foul trouble uh feel like if Rashard Griffith was able to play a little more they would have been in a better spot but they put up 96 points and lost so yeah uh tough that was that was the team that beat Cincinnati in the first round that was the one that finally broke the NCAA tournament streak of like 47 years and what I remember about that and talking to to guys for stories certainly well after the fact (laughs) was they were watching the tournament selection show and apparently Digger Phelps continued to go on and on about how Cincinnati was going to make a run and beat Wisconsin. And it was just a total afterthought. And they were like really pissed off about that. And obviously <laughs> we able to, to win the first game. So uh, that was an extremely memorable season for the Badgers. But what's crazy is, I mean, it was a totally different era. Wisconsin scored a hundred plus points four times in the non-conference season. And they also lost a game to Minnesota where they gave up one Oh nine. So talk yeah. about run and gun. Yeah, uh, Missouri shot 68% that day. 
and uh, 63% from three. <laughs> so Wisconsin's defense uh, little, left a little to be desired that day. Much improved in the past three decades. Yeah, a little bit. Um, all right, so Wisconsin is going to move ahead here, and they're going to take on Jacksonville State on Thursday night. There is a game time change for that one, Jesse. Uh, they moved it up to 6 o'clock because the Wisconsin volleyball team is getting set to take on Texas that night. The tip of the uh, volleyball game, I, what is it first? What do you say about volleyball? Is it is it first serve? Is that like when sure. you know when you're when you're talking about like uh, like kickoff, like tip, yeah, tip offset or kick offset or first first pitch is at like what is it for volleyball? Is it first serve? I'm exposing my probably lack of volleyball knowledge, but let's just go with that. But it's the right. second match after, yeah, uh, the uh, yeah, yeah, between Pittsburgh and. Nebraska. It's the second match. It's projected to start at eight thirty. They want to give Wisconsin fans an opportunity to uh, have a chance to go and watch that after watching the basketball game. So it's now a six o'clock start between Wisconsin and Jacksonville State. They are going to be wearing some alternate uniforms. I don't know if you saw these, Jesse. I did. What do you think? I'm all now for any alternate alternate yeah. uniform. I really like the. Uh, it's a nice touch to have the the state of Wisconsin outline on it. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't look. Eh? markedly over the top or different, but I am yeah. all for any alternate uniform. Yeah. They've had a lot better alternate uniforms than this one. I I'll say that I, I don't mind. Like I would agree. The outline with the Wisconsin on the shorts is very nice. They don't look a ton different from what they yeah. normally wear. Right. Right. They have, uh, they have some more gray in them, which I think some people were calling them Ohio state uh, uniforms to an extent. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I can see where you're coming from because the, the lettering is, gray and so the outline of the numbers is gray but eh, I, I i don't hate that i loved there are there are two that stand out that i mean yeah the alternate uniforms are, are weird because we wh- whether they're alternate uniforms or throwbacks like these aren't throwbacks no. the throw the throwbacks that they've worn have been amazing you think about ah, i think it was 2020 where they broke out the ones from 2000, the one that when they made their run to the final four, those were fantastic. And then they went on a run and we still don't know what happens at the end of that season, though. Pretty sure ESPN named them national champions that year. And then you think about the throwbacks, the black history throwbacks, the ones that uh, the red ones that had the W or I should say they had the old school Bucky on the shorts. Those two are better than anything they've worn. Now, some of the people like the, the black ones they wore. was that last year. I was kind of, I like the black, I like black uniforms. I want them to wear more black uniforms. I wasn't sure about the pinstripes, but mm-hmm. w- when I think about these, I'm not going to be thinking about these in a few years. You know what I mean? Like there are certain uniforms I'll think about for a few years later, the throwbacks um, or the black ones, but these are ones are fine. They're just not going to stand out as something that you're going to remember down the line. They're clean. They're cool. And as long as Wisconsin wins, <laughs> then uh, I guess it's all good. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, players play the games. Players write the story. Players set the style. Right. Go. That that was the tweet from uh, Wisconsin basketball. That they're fine. They're fine. Uh, Wisconsin did stay inside the top twenty, top twenty five in the rankings. They're number twenty three right now. Any surprise at that coming off that Arizona game? Or are you just they're like, hey, we give you credit for what you did. You went in, you went on the road uh, a third game in what uh, seven days. And which is normal during college basketball season, I guess eight days. But and you you played a really good team that was rested and at home and one of the best teams in the country. And like, all right, you're 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 still a top twenty five team. You're just 
not as good as maybe we thought you were you were I mean, they very well could have dropped out into the others receiving votes and been 26th or 27th. I think it shows a lot of respect for what Wisconsin's been able to put together this season. That Michigan State win still carries some weight. And it it wouldn't have mattered how many points Wisconsin lost to Arizona by. I think it's also an understanding of how good that team is. So it's a multitude of factors. But based on the way they played, they are a top 25 team. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. They're, they're, yes, they're wins. Any concern about two of their three uh, true road games being blowouts. Well, the, the Providence one and, and the Arizona. Mm, I, this team, I know it's only been a month or so, but certainly feels like a little bit different team from the Providence one. I, I The Arizona game, I'm going to, at this point, put it in its own separate bucket of a one-off. I'm right now looking more at what they were able to do in between those, but big 10, big 10 play is going to determine a whole lot. And if this becomes a a running theme here, then, then that's something different, but they, they did go on the road and beat Michigan state and that still carries some weight. Feels like everybody's beating Michigan state these days. Yep. That is true. That is true. So maybe, (laughs) you know, we've got this vision of what Michigan state used to be and what they were supposed to be, but that's why as the sample size grows larger, you find out more about what is really real for this Wisconsin team, but they've done enough to have some confidence going into league play. I, I feel absolutely. Like, I feel like this is a team that has every bit an opportunity to be that top four, have that double buy. There's only a couple teams right now in the Big Ten that you would say, and I don't even know if you would, but you would put above Wisconsin. I mean Purdue, but it's been up and down, and I think Wisconsin can compete with anyone. Can't wait to see Purdue in Arizona. We'll see. Yes. I mean, that that will certainly tell you how good Arizona is. Uh, Purdue has been tested. I mean, and Arizona has been too. They played Duke, played uh, obviously Wisconsin. They played one other um, in big game that I'm, is now off my mind. But they they've played some really good competition. Purdue has played a ton of good competition too, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the teams that they've gone up against and and answered the bell more often than not. Now Purdue uh, Northwestern got them, which. Uh, has become kind of a thing. So, I mean, you could say Northwestern, Wisconsin, Ohio State, some some teams that have showed something here in these first couple of uh, this first month of the season to be yeah, Illinois, at least noteworthy. Oh, excuse me, and Illinois, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They, it, another team that Arizona beat. Yes, um, that was the team I was trying to think of. That Illinois team beat Kansas in an exhibition game, but that was at Illinois. So. And that's a Kansas team right now that's number two in the country, nine and one with the lone loss coming to Marquette. So, I mean, the Big Ten really does feel pretty wide open. You have Purdue sitting there as a, as a number three team in the country. Illinois is up there. Wisconsin's 23rd. Northwestern is, I mean, I think we just don't necessarily always think about Northwestern, but they've cracked the top 25 at seven and one. So it really does feel pretty wide open this year. And then Wisconsin should be there in the end. All right, let's get to some Twitter slash Threads questions. We'll start with <laughs> Megan here. Uh, in the big picture, she says, would you predict that the Arizona game ultimately helps or hurts Wisconsin? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. I, I just throw it totally away. Um, I don't know where you would say it helps as you played a team like that, but it's not like you were competitive beyond. I mentioned it's it's 23 all when Carter Gilmore rolls in a short jump shot and then by halftime, Arizona's gone on a 25 to eight run. They're just a team on another level. So I, I don't know how much, and I know I've said this before here on the show, you can really take from that one. 
Balkan uh, Boy says, "What? Why doesn't John Blackwell start?" Well, then you ask who would he start over, and I think the answer would presumably be Max Klesmet. But Klesmet gives you so much. That's and here's another thing: is how much does that actually matter? Obviously, yeah. the minute distribution would be a little. It would change, but, but Max is playing 26 minutes a game and John is playing about 18 minutes a game. So they obviously have a lot of trust in him. And because of his scoring ability, which has been pretty consistent, I mean, he's averaging 9.9 points a game so far. It is so important to have some of that pop off the bench. And if you're not getting it right now from Connor Siegen, the to be able to have that from John is really important. So I, I certainly can understand the argument for him starting, but I also understand why to this point, he has come off the bench. And while Max isn't going to give you 21 points in one half all the time like he did against Marquette, we know he's capable of it, but he can also do everything else. Not to say that John can't. I think this is kind of a best of both worlds situation. Yeah, and you need that scoring punch off the bench too, right? Like that. Exactly. Right? So you're not getting, and that's the thing, you're not getting it from someone else, which is Connor Sejan. Connor Siegen brought that off the bench last year. He has not been able to do that so far this year. I think these two exhibition, not exhibition games. That's rude. Uh, these these two <laughs> not these two not conference games coming up could be huge for him because he's going to get more playing time than he has in recent games, and I think he's got an opportunity to come maybe shoot himself out of what is uh, give himself a little more confidence. I don't think he ever lacks for confidence, but to see a ball go through a couple times in an actual game setting would be good for Connor Siegen. He's gotten more work in practice. They've kind of, Greg Gard has talked about that, putting him in on the scout team just to get him some more like game type action run in a practice to try and shake loose of what is uh, clearly uh, has reached, gosh, 20 games of a, of a tough shooting stretch for him. So I think these two games are big, big for him. Um, Chris asks, why, what can Wisconsin fans do? to give Steven Crowell the confidence to shoot every three that is open. I think he may be the oddest Badger big man I've ever seen at the program. I'm glad this question was asked because as I was watching the Arizona State or the Arizona game, I could not help but think the big is playing five plus feet off of him when he's on the perimeter and Steven could shoot anytime he wants to. And he's also eight for 11 so far on threes. I know half of that came in one game. But this clearly is just a concerted effort, whether it's on his part or the coaching staff's part to, if he's going to have the ball, try to get it to him in the paint. And he's having very good success. He's shooting 60% from the field. But I do have to say, given that we know he's capable of making it, I just felt like if they're going to give you five feet, take the shot. <laughs> yeah. easy, easy for me to say. And maybe they feel like they can get something better, but he is wide open. So... It was definitely interesting to watch that game unfold. Because the the previous, what, four days earlier, he was popping left and right. He went four you know for I mean? four. Yeah. And uh, he was more open on Saturday than he was in, the, in uh, some of those shots. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Um, all right. Got some here on threads, Jesse. You ready? Oh, I'm I'm ready. Hit me. All right. Uh, Barley Bunny says she did not go into the game expected to win, but she also didn't expect them to lose by 25 either, mm -hmm. especially after giving them some hope in the first 
seven-ish minutes, what positive takeaways should we have from this game? Hmm. Um, I mean, John Blackwell, man. Yeah, yeah. He is just relentless. He ended up, and this is a, a good example of what we're talking about, minute distribution. Max played 27 minutes. John played 26. And, and it's not that it just has to be those two that are interchangeable. John can play with a lot of different rotations. Those guys obviously are on the court together at the same time. But I just continue to be so impressed with his relentlessness. He ends up leading the team with 17 points and he finishes with a team high seven rebounds. So that to me is a takeaway. The way Chucky has been distributing the ball and limiting his turnovers. He was coming off an eight to one assisted turnover game. He had six assists and one turnover. So those are encouraging signs. Beyond that, look, it's hard to find a ton of positives when you lose by 25, but I think there are individual pockets where you say, okay, that that is starting to come along pretty nicely. Yeah. Uh, David says, why does Greg Gard do these hockey-style line shifts? Wouldn't it be better for the backup to play with starters rather than only seeing the floor with other subs? I feel like it just depends on the circumstance. It's not like that's always the case. There have been situations where he brings in one guy or two guys and you do have a mix of starters. So I I don't have a good answer for that. And I also can't give you, well, here are the number of minutes played in which it's been a hockey style shift and all five reserves on the floor. I know somebody that can, and I'm, I suspect I'll get a, <laughs> uh, I think I have access to that too, but yeah, yeah. I didn't have a chance to look it up. Uh, yeah, no, it's all good. Um, Captain Burst says the Badger paint defense was so much better as of late and then got Arizona'd. Will this be a representing a repeating theme in league play? Same thing for the Badger paint offense. Rough performance overall, but cool to see the freshman not flinch. No, I don't think this is a repeat situation. I just think I, I keep saying it, but Arizona just felt like it's in a league of its own. Really? I can't I cannot remember watching a team and particularly against Wisconsin, where you just felt like they are so complete. <laughs> How do you stop them? Yeah, no, it's a really, it's a fantastic team. It's a Final Four type team for them. Now, getting to the Final Four hasn't always been the easiest thing for Arizona, but it, it has that type of feel to it. Now we are on uh, here on December thirteenth. Yeah, a few a few weeks out from Selection Sunday, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it does it does certainly feel like it. I just want to keep stressing how uh, not to take too much from this game. And I suppose it's easy to say that when you're root for the team on the losing end, but like the way they share the ball, that is just not normal. I'm sorry. They had 18 field goals in the first half and 15 assists and ended the game with 26 assists on 35 field goals made. It's just, uh, they're a very special team. So I want to give them more credit than say, well, Wisconsin just, self-destructed and obviously they didn't play great but there's a reason for that yeah i mean and the sharing the ball thing is always interesting it always is fun to look at and i'm not saying this is the case at arizona because they certainly share the ball as well as any team i think i've seen this year but their home split their their home assist versus their away assist and what they get credit for an assist at home maybe not mm -hmm. don't get the same credit for it on the road mm -hmm. uh, uh, we see that at minnesota quite a bit <laughs> But uh, I'm not saying that's the case here. It's just it is interesting. Um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's at that level anywhere close. But there are maybe we're yeah, it's relevant. They're a very good passing team. I just wanted to point that out a little bit. Um, maybe take a little shot at Minnesota. We'll, we'll follow. We'll, we'll close. The, we'll close this out. One more here from Threads. Uh, my guy Peter says because he's a lot of people are yelling at Carter Gilmore to shoot right. 
when he when he's yeah. open. Um, he says one. It's as if he's not a thirty a career thirty percent shooter and a fifteen percent uh, three point shooter. And two, the other teams aren't defending him that way to encourage him to shoot. Doesn't really have a question there, but he kind of finds it funny that people are continuing to tell you know why isn't he shooting? Well, there's a reason he's not shooting, right? Is that accurate? Yeah, it's just it's not his role. I understand because there are times where it can feel like it's a four on five situation offensively, but like you have to understand what your role is, why you're out there on the floor. And his job is to set screens, get rebounds, get putbacks. And if he does get the ball in the paint in a decent position, then he can put a shot up and think about the one that tied the game before Arizona went on the run. He got into the paint and managed to, to roll the shot in, but you're not asking him to do that. He's played in nine games this year. He's taken 14 shots. That's fewer than two shots a game. If you expect him to come out there and start firing up six to eight shots a game, that's just not realistic. So I get it, but just understand what everyone's role is. And as long as everyone plays their role the way it's supposed to be played and other guys are making their shots, then it really shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I would agree. Again, that one was from uh, Peter on threads. So we will uh, see Wisconsin take on Jacksonville State on Thursday night. Then they obviously get a break for finals. We'll be back next week to talk a little bit more about Wisconsin as they get ready for one more non-conference game heading into uh, back into Big Ten play. So, Jesse, uh, we will see each other out at Monks and Sun Prairie tomorrow night for Temple and Heilprin. Going to be talking, obviously, plenty of football and, and basketball and probably some uh, some volleyball, too, as the Wisconsin volleyball team going to be taking on Texas uh, tomorrow night. Uh, you want to plug your story real quick? Got a story on Sarah Franklin, the Big Ten Player of the Year, potential National Player of the Year, and the circulatory issue she went through in the offseason where she didn't think she was going to play. And it's been a winding road, but not only is she playing, but she's kicking some serious butt. So you can check that out on The Athletic. Very much so. Thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there is Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Swing.